you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 59 of the Band of Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How you doing? Thanks for tuning in. Hope you had a super duper weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And if the Banner Banter Podcast was in your Spotify 2019 recap as one of your top five podcasts, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. What a great week for the Boston Celtics. Speaking about appreciation, that's a mouthful, huh? The Celtics went 2-0 this week. They beat the Heat, great game. They beat the Nuggets, great game. And to be honest with you, I don't care if both teams are playing on the second night of a back-to-back of part of a three- or four-game road trip. Nope, I don't care about it at all. Those are good basketball teams. Those were good wins. I will take it. The Celtics are currently 16-5, second place overall in the Eastern Conference, and then their first place in the Atlantic Division. They're like a half a game up on the Raptors and the 76ers with a very important week coming up. But what's most incredible about all of this is the fact that the Boston Celtics are 9-0 and at home. Absolutely incredible stuff. You know, the Bruins were undefeated at home in regulation. They lost the Patriots. That kind of sucked, losing at home against the Chiefs last night. Yeah, that game sucked. But anyways, this is a Boston Celtics podcast. We will focus on that. Anyways, Celtics are 9-0. and home. 9 and nine and home. Yes, they are 9-0 and at home this season. And they got two home games this week, and hopefully they can make it 11-0 and by week's end. What's crazy about the end of this week for the Boston Celtics is they play the Cleveland Cavaliers on Monday night, tonight, if you are listening on Monday, which is when I do release the podcast, it is Seat for Soldiers Night, and the Cleveland Cavaliers recently lost to the Philadelphia 76ers by 47 points on the on the road, which is absolutely crazy. Clearly, this team is tanking. There are reports that no one on the team is listening to the, their brand new coach. I'm having a brain fire in his name. He's the old coach of the University of Michigan. Hello to my friend Ross, Michigan Zone, and they want to get rid of Kevin Love. I think Kevin Love's a great basketball player. Could Kevin Love help this team? Absolutely. But this is where I get a little frustrated with Celtics fans. And I know not everyone's salary cap experts, and I'm not a salary cap expert either in any way, shape, or form. But I do understand how simple it can be to overthink that money is involved when it comes to Kevin Love. Kevin Love makes a good chunk of change, 25, 26. If someone told me he makes $27 million a year, it's a lot of money. The Celtics have somewhere between 8 to $10 million in open cap space, which is great. You're going to have to get rid of like Marcus Smart or a Gordon Hayward or a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum and a Marcus Smart to get rid of that money to fulfill the money that Kevin Love's bring to you, that Kevin Love would bring to you. So I think the way this season is going so far, you don't want to get rid of Marcus Smart. 
You don't want to get rid of Gordon Hayward. You don't want to get rid of Jalen Brown. Obviously, Kemba's untouchable. You're not trying to dump up a whole bunch of draft picks just for Kevin Love. So Kevin Love coming to the Celtics would be nice. I don't think he's a huge help to this team, but you are also losing one of your top five or six players to get him. So are you okay with that? If you are, God bless you. If you're not, great. Welcome aboard. But anyways, who else do the Celtics have this week? They have the Indiana Pacers, who have been playing great basketball lately, Wednesday night on the road. That game's at 7 o'clock. And then Thursday, 8 p.m., back at TD Garden, second night of a back-to-back against the Philadelphia 76ers on TNT. Huge, huge game, and I will be previewing those very, very shortly. But let's just get right into it and recap the Miami Heat game. And before we do that, this game was a really, really cool for me personally and for some of my friends uh, from from high school, Danny, Jimmy, uh, who else was there? Maddie Skolmas, a whole bunch of people, Coach Mickle. All those guys set the tone for Trumpsford High basketball when I was, those guys were seniors. I was like in seventh grade, maybe eighth grade. No, maybe my, my freshman year, either, either or. All those guys and myself were there to support not only the Boston Celtics, but for Danny Craig. Danny Craig was the head coach in the Miami Heat for this game because Eric Spolstra and his wife had their second kid, and congratulations to them. I think Eric Spolstra is a very, very good NBA coach. Danny Craig was the starting point guard for the Chumpstrike basketball team, and he taught me a lot about basketball. All the day camps, that the summer day camps that I went to playing basketball at Chumpstrike High, Danny was there. He was an unbelievable basketball player. I loved watching him play. I don't want to say like I wanted to be him like when I got to high school, but if I could play like Danny Craig in high school, things would have been great. I obviously wasn't that good. Danny went on and played at Plymouth State. He's He was such a good point guard. And it, what's crazy is he actually helped out Team USA this year with Marcus and Jalen and Jason and Kemba. Greg Popovich actually called him, invited him to help him out to be a coach. So Danny is well-respected around the league. Danny isn't originally from Chelmsford, but I know him from being part of the Chelmsford High basketball family or community, if you will, and it was awesome to see Danny coach. And even though it was a loss, which sucks because I'm glad the Celtics won, it was really cool to see Danny out there coaching. Absolutely unbelievable. But the game itself, (laughs) What do you know? Another shitty first quarter. Oh, man. Kemba kept them, Kemba kept them alive in this <clears throat> in this first quarter because the Heat came out hot. They had a really nice win the night before against the Toronto Raptors in Toronto in overtime. But what's crazy about the Celtics is they only scored 20 f- points in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, they dropped 32. And in the third and fourth quarter, they dropped they dropped 30 in both of those quarters why can't they do that in the first quarter i know i know i'm probably beating this dead horse but because we all know the celtics suck in the first quarter but man to go 20 32 30 and 30 absolutely unbelievable but i am glad at how the team recovered in the second quarter the bench came out in the second quarter and they played lazy a lot of turnovers and when the Celtics' ball movement is good, when there's a lot of passing, the ball doesn't just stall and just sit there, you know, kind of like what James Harden does with his, all of his dribbling and people are just watching him. That's not how the Celtics function. That is not how the Celtics will be good. And that is where they kind of get lazy with some turnovers in the start of the second quarter like they did against the Miami Heat. 
But once their ball movement started going, they started playing really, really well. And that is thanks to Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown looked like an all-star in this game. Not like, oh, yeah, he should make the team. Like a legitimate all-star. He played 34 minutes. He scored 31 points. He shot 55% from three. He had four rebounds. And he had some big, big, big shots late in that third quarter. The Celtics got the lead up to about 16 or 17 points. And they cut it down to five. And Jalen hit some big back-to-back threes. He is a terrific, uh, terrific's a strong word. He has been a solid corner three-point shooter for this team this year. And what I loved about the second corner three-pointer that he hit when when he hit these back-to-back three-pointers, he turned around and actually blew a kiss to Kelly Olynyk, who was sitting on the bench. And by the way, does anyone miss Kelly Olynyk? You, you you can't miss Kelly Olenek. I don't miss Kelly Olenek. You don't miss Kelly Olenek. You lie into yourself. You don't miss... Ke- no. Stop. Stop. You don't. You don't. No. You don't. Anyways, Robert Williams. His defense improved so much in this game, it made me so happy. Bam Adebayo. I think that's how you pronounce it. I've been practicing all week, but I'm still... We'll just call him Bam, just like we did last week. He had six out of Miami's first 16 points, and he actually assisted on a couple of those 16 points as well. I think he was responsible for 12 out of Miami Heat's first 16 points, and that's why the Heat got off to a really, really good start. And then the Time Lord came in and kind of controlled him. I don't want to say he matched his athleticism because I think Bam is a much better athlete than Robert Williams is, which I know, which is crazy to say, and I just think it's because he's just he's just built. He's chisel. And he only finished with eight points, so the Time Lord controlled him, and I thought he'd did a really good job. He didn't bite on pump fakes. Every single time a shooter is in front of the Time Lord and they go up for a pump fake, I'm like, oh God, they're just going to blow right by him. But that wasn't the case in this game. And it was really, really good to see. I thought Robert Williams rebounded the ball very well too. And it's just not because he got four offensive rebounds. It was just the fact that I felt like he knew that was his responsibility. Don't bite on jump fakes. Get rebounds and run the floor and someone will find you if needed and I thought the Time Lord did a really 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 good job but the person I don't want to say who did like a perfect job but the best job was Shemi Ojale. Shemi Ojale played for like 24 straight minutes and during those 24 straight minutes that's when the Celtics really locked down on defense against the Heat and they really went on that run. The Celtics defense looked best in this game and you could probably say over the last couple weeks because we can all admit the Celtics defense has slipped a little bit. But during this stretch where Shemi played, the Celtics looked its best in a few weeks. And Shemi has improved. He's in, in he's improved his shooting. He knows when to take shots. He's not making stupid decisions anymore. And his defense has always been there. And you guys know I am not a Shemi Ojale fan in any way, shape, or form. But I will have to say I was very, very pleased with his play on, when when was the game? Last Wednesday. God, that seemed like forever ago. Last Wednesday against Miami Heat. So shout out to Shemi Ojale. And I got to give another shout out to Jimmy Butler is awesome. I would love Jimmy Butler on my team any day of the week. I know he's probably, he's a little bit of a prick, like his attitude wise, but just like Bradley Beal, that dude balls. He goes out and plays basketball. He's so much fun to watch. He Every single game, it's like his last game. He only took 18 shots. He scored 37 points. He is just so much fun to watch. 
so, so much fun to watch. And finally, before I move on to the Nuggets game, there's one thing that I was happy to see. Carson Edwards hit a couple threes, and I loved, or Carson and Jalen hit a couple threes in the fourth quarter. And I was really happy to see that because it, it boosted their lead up to 21. And I know I've been saying this a lot the last couple of weeks. And it's just because I got so angry about it last year. But the fact that the Celtics can get these big leads, let teams come back, and then step on their throats again and really put the game away, I think is huge for this team. I thought last year they would let teams come back and just be like, eh, whatever. But that's not the case. They're either down, they fight back, and then they don't let the teams come back, or they're up a bit, they let the teams come back, and then they step on their throats again. And I really, 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 really enjoyed that about this game. So I thought it was a great win. It started off ugly, but it finished very, very well against the Miami Heat last week. And I think, when is the next time they play the Heat? I think they go on the road and play the Heat. When do they go on the road? They only play the Heat like twice this year? Oh, they... January 28th, it's a Tuesday night at 7.30, will be the next time that they play the Miami Heat, and that's a good game. And then they play them twice in April, and that could be a situation where that could be for a playoff spot because the Heat have been that good. But the Denver Nuggets game, Marcus Smart did not play against the Miami Heat. He was actually really sick. It wasn't because of his oblique issue, which he does have one. He's admitted it. It's pretty sore. He had the same issue as last year, but obviously he did miss a lot of games. And we can all admit Marcus Smart just needs to take a little bit of a rest. You know, the the way he was talking <clears throat> before the Snuggets game was like he missed 112 days with the team, but it was really just one game. And that's you know, why everyone in the city loves Marcus Smart. But the fact that he played sick, with the bad oblique and the fact that it was his late mother's birthday. And we all know the struggle that Marcus went through last year, losing his mom to cancer. And he just loves playing for her. And I, you know, for someone who lost their parent at a young age as well. And I just, I just respect the shit out of Marcus Smart for, for playing like that and dedicating so much of his life to his mom, especially on the basketball court. But going into this game, I thought recently Marcus Smart's on-ball defense really hasn't been ideal. His out, like outside the perimeter, but like anything like inside, like switching, off screens, you know, weak side help, posting up on guys that are bigger or having guys post up on him that are bigger than him. I thought they've been great. I just think some sometimes his on-ball defense outside the perimeter can be a little shaky from time to time, but. He really shut me up because that changed because guess what happened in the first quarter? The Celtics had an unbelievable first quarter. They were great. They scored over 30 points. The defense looks, looked good. Kemba was hitting shots like he would in the fourth quarter. The defense was there. They, they shut down Jamal Murray, which was so important. That's what I mentioned in episode 58 because Jamal Murray can go off in any single way, shape, or form. But the negative is they crapped themselves in the second quarter, and thankfully the Nuggets crapped themselves too, so they were able to keep their reasonable lead in by the end of the first half. One thing that really and truly annoyed me and is starting to really and truly annoy me about Brad Stevens, and this shows you how much I'm getting annoyed by it because we all know that I would live or die because of Brad Stevens. I don't like how lately Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, whatever the case may be, whoever has the hot hand seems to like go sit down on the bench and then they don't come back for like another 10 
11, 12 minutes. I don't understand that. Jalen Brown hit his first three out of four threes that he took in this basketball game, and he was the first guy to go to the bench for the Celtics. Why not just keep him in? I understand Brad has rotations, and they've been working this year, but, like, why not keep him in? It was kind of like the same thing with Jason Tatum in the Clippers game. He was unbelievable in the third quarter, and then he only touched the ball twice in the fourth quarter, and obviously one of those was the big shot where he made Paul George fall down, even though Paul George stepped on his foot. But I I don't understand why Brad, like, Jalen could have kept playing. Jalen's young enough. He's athletic enough. He, He has plenty of endurance. To play that, I don't understand why Brad's doing that. Just stick with the hot hand. Please. Please. Just let him be because he could have made five out of his six threes and then he could have dragged it out even more. Like, yeah, that, that part was that part was pretty frustrating. But um and his canter. I thought he had a really good game. This is a good matchup for him because Jokic is so much better than him. Jokic is so freaking good. It's ridiculous, and, I, and it makes no sense. He looks so out of shape. He doesn't look like he belongs in the NBA in any way, shape, or form. He's got a scary grill, and he's just so good. But he was able to keep Jokic off the board for a little bit, and he was able to be physical. And sure, he only got like three rebounds in this game. It worked. I was cool with it. I, 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 I was cool with it. And I was so cool with it that it's time to play the coolest segment on the Banner Banter podcast, the Canter Banter. Let's go. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Canter Banter, baby. Wow! Okay, so the story of this Celtics-Nuggets game, in my opinion, was the fact that the Celtics played great defense on Jamal Murray. I think he had an off night overall. You know, great NBA players. Everyone has an off night every once in a while. We can all admit that. But I thought they did a really, really good job on Jamal Murray shutting him down. I don't think he ended up in double digits. And if he did, it was under 12, maybe even under 13 or 14. I don't have it in front of me right now. But I thought they did a really good job on controlling him because he is so important to their offense. And I thought they did a great, great job. But the people who did the greatest job of them all is this new fire and ice duo, according to Jalen Brown. It's the duo of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Holy crap. They combined for 47 points. Jalen owned the first half. Jason owned the second half. Jason and Jalen had... Uh, they've, they've been running the fast break so well together. Jason's passing this year has been awesome. And I'll explain why it has been in a second, in my opinion. And then the three-pointer that Jason Tatum hit at the end of the third quarter was awesome. And then the chest bump between the two of them, ugh, it just melted my heart. I love it. It was like I kind of wanted out was like a Valentine's Day card. Like find someone who chest bumps you the way Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum chest bump each other after Jason Tatum hits a big-time three in the third quarter on national TV in the City Edition jerseys. Yeah, I want all of that in a card. That'd be really cool. Anyways, the fact that these two kids are playing this well at this level is a great thing. And the best part about it is Kemba's okay with it. I don't think Kyrie would have been okay with it, but Kemba's cool with it. Kemba's like, hey, if you guys only want me to score 19 points and you guys want to score a combined 47 and then we let the, the rest of the team do the work, come and beat us. With Gordon Hayward hopefully coming back soon, 
come and beat us. I love that. And I think that's one of the great things about this team this year and with Kemba. But I'm really happy with Jason Tatum passing the ball. I mentioned that last week. And I think a big part of it is the way that he's dealing with blitzes. And for a lot of you that don't know what blitzes are, basically what happens is instead of, I'm trying to say this the right way so it doesn't blow your brains off. So if Kemba's dribbling the ball up the court and someone comes and sets a screen for him, let's say it's Cantor. Cantor's guy and Kemba's guy will attack him and almost try and double team him every time and put him in an awkward spot where he throws a lazy pass and it gets intercept, intercepted like it's football. It gets stolen or if you know it's a bad turnover, he throws it out of the bounds, he forces up a bad shot, whatever the case may be. Kemba is used to that every single night when he was in Charlotte. He's getting that now still with the Celtics and Jason Tatum, I think, is getting it the second most out of anyone on the team. I don't think, I think a lot of NBA coaches think that Jason's better than Jalen, and you could argue that he is 1,000%. I think overall you could say Jason's having a better year, but it's not by much. But I really and truly think Jason is doing that because he's, I'm sorry, I, I need to say this the right way. Jason's getting used to it now because it's, it's, coming up more and more and now he's making good decisions out of it i mean he had eight assists over the week three against the heat five against the nuggets and he had seven assists last week he's really passing the ball well i think he's seeing the court better he's realizing that teams are attacking him differently and he's realizing that if fine if you're gonna blitz me that means someone else is open and i think jason has done a really really good job with that and i'm very happy about it and he can only get better and if you know I really wanted Jalen to pass the ball more this year. I thought it would be a thing where he could get three, four. I know I predicted five assists a game. But if that means Jason Tatum's going to be doing that instead, and one of them, like if those guys combine for 45 points a night, 10 to 12 boards, seven or eight assists, they're going to be great. Not not just like to be all-stars, but for this team to go like a long, long way. But. Now that we have finished the week, let's head in to our stud and dud of the week. Say it with me now. Hit the music. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, your stud and dud of the week. Congratulations to Jalen Brown for getting stud in back-to-back weeks. Folks, Jalen Brown has shut me up from last year. I was not happy with Jalen Brown. I thought he went into this season with such a big head it couldn't fit through a, a hallway. He thought he was the bee's knees. He wasn't even close. His mentality has changed this year. He's playing at a much different level. He's not worrying about if Gordon Hayward's playing more minutes than him or if Kemba's taking some shots away from him. He's been great. He combined for 52 points over the two games last week between the Nuggets and the Heat. He's shooting the ball really well from the corner, like I mentioned earlier. He is ta- he is attacking the rim. He's making good decisions. I feel like he's not as He's not forcing as much, and he realizes that like if the shot's not there, he can pass it out, where I feel like last year, once he got it, he felt like he had to shine, and that wasn't the case. So Jalen Brown is your dud, I'm, I'm sorry, your stud of the week for the second straight week. I don't know how many times through 59 episodes we've had back-to-back studs. 
I think Gordon might have gotten it last year and maybe Kyrie as well. But congratulations, Jalen Brown, your set of the week. And the dead of the week, it's a tough one because there really weren't a lot of things to complain about with this basketball team, especially beating two good teams, staying undefeated at home. But it's going to have to go to Grant Williams. Grant Williams hasn't made a three-pointer yet this year. And he keeps shooting. And everyone wants him to go in, and they just ain't going in. It like he took three three pointers against the Nuggets in garbage time, and we were everyone's like, oh, oh, and it, so yeah, he's the dud, and you can kind of see that Shemi Ojale is taking Grant's minutes a little bit. Obviously, every game's different, matches matchups are different, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But for someone who's not a that big a fan of Shemi, if you're losing your minutes to him, it's kind of dud ish. You you know what I'm saying? So. It's a little bit of a stretch for the dud this week, but Jalen Brown's your stud. Grant Williams is your dud. And before we preview the upcoming week, which I think is a huge week for this team, a very important week for this team, and we can really see where this team is, Gordon Hayward. He practiced with the team this weekend. They did not do any 5-on-5 live drills, but he is doing the 5-0 and drills. Everyone is expecting him to be back early to the point where Gordon says he's going to wake up tomorrow morning, see how his hand feels, he believes his left hand is now stronger than his right hand, even though there's a plate in it, you know, with screws. And we're, we're going to see how it holds up. I'm not the one to, like, toot my own horn, but I did tweet out, I don't know if you saw it on my Banner Banter 18 Twitter page or the screenshots that I posted last night on the Banner Banter Podcast Instagram page. I predicted that Jalen Brown would be back on December 9th against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, folks, today is December 9th. And they are playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, if Gordon Hayward comes back, I you can call me Dr. Banner Banter Podcast. Yep. I'm going to have a PhD for a podcast. I don't I, Actually, what does PhD even mean? I feel like really stupid for saying that. And I'm not going to look it up because I feel like I'm... No, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. But, yeah, what does P, PhD mean? What does PhD mean? Huh. What does it mean? What does it mean? No. Doctor of philosophy? Doctor of philosophy? No, that's not what it... I hate you, internet. Sorry about that, folks. I just want to know what it means, and I'll look it up later. Maybe I'll get back to you on episode 60. All right, anyways, let's preview the games for this upcoming week. The first game tonight, the Cavs game. They've lost 12 out of the last 13 games. I don't really know what else to say about them. You know, you just got to control Colin Sexton and make sure he doesn't go off. He loves, he, he, he makes a lot of dumb decisions, but like when they work, you're like, oh, wow, that was a good decision. But man, when they don't, he, he looks stupid. So control Colin Sexton per usual. Keep Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson off, off the board. Get Tristan Thompson foul trouble because after that, they really don't have a lot of size. The last time these two teams played, this was the game that Gordon Hayward went off and scored 39 points. Jason had a pretty disappointing game and if <clears throat> and Jalen didn't play so hopefully Jason can step his game up a little bit and Jalen can <clears throat> oh am I gonna burp wow this has been a weird two minutes of this podcast I'm very sorry but I'm sure you're laughing and being entertained by it in some way shape or form and if you are by the way I have a huge pet peeve when someone's like oh yeah that's funny and they don't actually laugh my number one pet peeve then don't say it was funny don't say it was funny. Laugh if you think it's funny. Be like, oh, that's funny. Shut up and laugh. Anyways, 
Jalen Brown didn't play last time against the Cavs. Jason Tatum did. Pretty good game. He should have had a better game. Jalen stepping up. If Gordon doesn't play, should be a victory for this team. But I will have to say this. The bench has to step up scoring. The bench is not a very good bench. We are bottom five in the league in bench scoring, and that has to change. It really does. And I and I, I honestly think it will eventually just because of the way the rotations are working. Like, you never are going to have all five star, all five starters off the court. You're, you're just never going to have that. Tatum will always be in there. Hayward will always be in there. Jalen will always be in there in some weird way, shape, or form. And obviously, now with Gordon Hayward back, Marcus Smart will be coming off the bench. So that should boost the bench scoring up a little bit. But they have... Uh, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., they're, they can be very good off the bench. The Time Lord will need to have a nice game against Larry. Oh, wait, no, the Time Lord is out with left hip soreness. So it looks like Daniel Tice and Grant Williams and maybe even Vincent will kind of, they're going to have to have some good games against Larry Nance Jr. because he's an athletic big, and we all know the Celtics have issues with athletic bigs. But it should be a. W by the Celtics, you know, sometimes the Cleveland Cavaliers come can come out and play. And I mean, they almost beat the Celtics the last time these two these two teams played when Gordon dropped 39. They had that like incredible comeback and luckily Gordon got that offensive rebound and laid it in at the end of the game. The game that I'm interested most in this week, like obviously I'm interested in the 76ers game. I'm pumped about the 76ers game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the game that I'm really interested the most in is this Indiana Pacers game. They have won eight out of the their last ten games. They haven't beat the best of teams. You know, they've beaten the Knicks, they've beaten the Thunder, they've beaten the Grizzlies, the Magic, the Hawks of the world. They did lose to the 76ers. They have lost to the Clippers over these like you know over this ten game stretch. So they are beating the teams that they should. But losing to some teams where if you're that good, you you should be beating a couple. Here's the thing with them. They have a, a few new players on their team. Two that we really need to focus on, but three overall. Malcolm Brogdon. He has given the C's nightmares before. Malcolm Brogdon is the former Rookie of the Year and point guard of the Milwaukee Bucks. TJ McConnell is also on this team. TJ McConnell, backup point guard for the Philadelphia 76ers over the year has also given this team nightmares. Malcolm Brogdon is the leading scorer on this team and is a very good, long, lengthy, physical defender that can lock down Kemba. Kemba Walker is going to need to get as much separation and get as many good shots off uncontested against this Pacers defense as possible because if Malcolm Brogdon doesn't, you know, I'm trying to say this the right way. If Malcolm Brogdon... Get, runs into a good screen by, let's say, Cantor. The Pacers are long and lengthy enough to get a hand in Kemba's face. So it Kemba is going to have to have a huge, huge game. But the thing with Malcolm Brogdon is the Pacers finally have a legitimate point guard. I have always loved Darren Collinson, fun little guy to watch, but he's not like a true point guard with the team. Malcolm Brogdon's not only the leading scorer on this Pacers team, he also is averaging eight assists a game. That is very, very good for a point guard who's also leading the team in scoring. That's fantastic. Their second leading scorer is TJ Warren. 
he's just like the perfect fit for this team. He's everything that everyone wanted Wesley Matthews to be for the Indiana Pacers last year. Jalen will have to lock him down on defense. He is a great mid-range shooter. He's also shooting over 40% from three this year as well. He's someone that can get open, and if you leave him open, he will make a shot. He played at NC State, ACC school. I watched him all the time when Duke would play NC State, and he is a great, great shooter. And speaking of a great shooter, but more of a hot and cold great shooter is Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb is also on this team, signed with the Pacers over the summer in free agency. He played with Kemba and the Charlotte Hornets, so maybe Kemba can give Brad and the rest of the team some pointers. But the two big men for the Indiana Pacers, we talked about it all last year in the playoff series, is Sabonis and Miles Turner. Right now, they're actually starting both of them, which is really interesting, but it's working for them. So how will the Celtics match up with that? Do they trust Jalen as the four? I thought Jalen did a really good job defending Paul Millsap on the fo- on the block as the four, if you will, the power forward, if you will. So is it going to be Tice Brown? That's interesting. Or would they bring the Time Lord in? Or would they bring Cantor in? It will be very interesting because remember last year, all I said was, Sabonis hates being physical. So be physical with him. And Aaron Baines did that, and he really knocked him out of that four-game sweep in the first round. Sabonis over the last five games, though, holy crap. Both Sabonis and Miles Turner are averaging over 11 rebounds per game, kind of like Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson at the beginning of the year. And, you know, like they are now, I think they're both still averaging double-digit rebounding, but just not as much. Sabonis over the last five games, easily playing the best basketball of his career, 19-15, and 18-13, and 17-13, and 18-14, and 13-10. and 10. That's really good. <laughs> 19 points and 15 boards, that's <laughs> that's something else. This is not the same Pacers team as the Celtics swept last year. I think we can all agree with that, and I think we all have to accept that. They can't go in thinking this game's going to be easy with how they manhandled that team last year. Yes, Gordon's better. Yes, Kemba is probably more into the game now than he was with Ky- you know compared to Kyrie. Jalen and Jason obviously are better, but this Pacers team is deep, they're good, and they just play good, solid, fundamental basketball, and it's going to work for them, and it's not going to be an easy game. They've won eight out of their last ten games for a reason, no matter what the competition is, and I'm really interested in this game, and I re- if the Celtics lose this game, I wouldn't be shocked, just because I, I think the Pacers are probably pissed off. The last time they played these Celtics, they got swept. How can you not be pissed off the next time you see these guys, you know? So this should be a fun game. I think this will be the best game of the week. Obviously, I want the 76ers games to be crazy, but compared to opening night, it might be a dud. Speaking of the 76ers, let's jump right into it before we end this podcast. I want this win. I want this win real, real bad. And if they don't if they don't win, I'm not going to be like angry about it because the Celtics don't match up well with this team, and that's okay. I think we've all, all have accepted that. I just really want this win for tie-breaking purposes. I understand we shouldn't be talking about standings and tie-breaking in <clears throat> December, but the 76ers are undefeated at home. The Celtics are undefeated at home. The 76ers have a losing record on the road. So if it came down to playoffs and the Celtics were able to split 
a season series with the 76ers for like a tiebreaker and then they win one of the other tiebreakers whatever the case may be and then the 76ers have to come here for four games they're not that great on the road so far this year obviously that could change so that is why i want it the raptors did get a really nice win against a really good raptors team last night it was like a late afternoon game they won 110 to 104 a really good game. Tobias Harris and Mattis Thibel combined for 46 points. Tobias Harris, his three-point shooting this year has been bad. Like, real, real bad. But he shot the ball well in this game. Thibel isn't a scorer. They got him for his defense. And he's scoring the ball really well. And when he plays a lot, the 76ers are good. I've always kind of keep my eyes on the 76ers. Like, when Thibel doesn't play or doesn't shoot the ball that well, because he's not a great shooter. He's, he's basically... If you were to combine Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, that's what it is. Like Tatum, when he came into the league, was an okay scorer. Wasn't a great defender. Marcus Smart, great defender when he came in the league. Thibault is already an elite defender in this league. And he could lock down Jalen and Jason. Or, shit, they, they might even throw Kemba on him. And I wouldn't be surprised by it at all. Or maybe even Gordon. Like, they will... Th- he can guard multiple positions just like Marcus Smart can, but he's longer, and you could even say that he's more athletic. So he's a tough matchup for this team. But the toughest matchup for this team, obviously outside of Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid's probably going to get 20 and 12 or 25 and 13. That's going to happen because there's no one on the Celtics team that can match up with him. Smart can be physical on the post. It's just not the same thing. Ben Simmons is playing an unbelievable level of basketball not like mvp level because lebron's playing so well luca's playing so well james harden's playing so well etc etc but ben simmons is playing at an unbelievable level easily top seven or eight best in the league right now and i think one of the big reasons is because of his defense his defense does not get talked about enough he gets so many steals every game he plays great defense i mean the 76ers are second in the league with steals per game and he's a huge huge part of that and i mean he's already made two three-pointers this year so like he's obviously a three-point threat but like all jokes aside ben simmons is he's playing on a different level and i you can't put kemba on him <laughs> you really can't. It's it's going to be interesting to see what Brad does. Do they throw some zone out there to take Embiid out of the post? They let Tobias Harris shoot, but it, once Tobias Harris gets going, he's really good. Josh Richardson hasn't been playing a lot. I don't think Josh Richardson will be playing this week, but if he does, that changes things up because Corkmaz, Cork yeah, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's been starting for them. He's a pretty good shooter, but at the same time, he isn't. Then you have Mike Scott and James Ennis off the bench. They're very hit or miss, so it's a very interesting 76ers lineup. When when it clicks, it works. And when it doesn't click, I mean, they lost to the Washington Wizards. That I mean, that's tough. I hope the Celtics win this game. I can see the Celtics going 3-0 this week or 1-2 this week. Like, I don't think it's going to be either or. I don't think it's going to be like a 2-1. and one. I, I think they're either going to win all three and then, or beat the Cavs, and then lose back-to-back games. And what's crazy, after the 76ers game, they have five days off. They have Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday off. They play the Mavericks next Wednesday, a day off, and then they have two home games, and then two more days off after that. 
So these two games in Indy and at TD Garden against Philadelphia 76ers, I understand it's a back-to-back, and I understand back-to-back suck, but these dudes better be balls to the flipping walls for these two games, and I really and truly think that they can do it. I I know they can do it. They're going to be great, hopefully. Eventually, this team will kind of get back to what we thought they will be, but for right now, I'm really enjoying this team. Here's the thing. If Gordon Hayward does come back, does that affect the team? I don't know. I don't think it will, just because everyone was playing on such a great level, and I feel like Gordon's been able to stay in shape, and it's really just, how's Gordon going to be defensively? There it is. There's that burp I needed. Hello to my buddy John Carley, if he's listening. If Gordon Hayward comes back, which I was the, the plan was all along. He plays 20 minutes against the Cavs, plays a good amount, maybe 25 minutes against the Pacers, and then goes balls to the wall against the 76ers. How's he going to act on defense? Because I feel like offensively he can he can hide his his hand, but defensively he can't because that's how he got that's how he got hurt with the LaMarcus Aldridge screen. He ran into him awkwardly. So that is going to be very interesting to see how that all works out with Gordon. What If Gordon can come back at the same level, I'm all for it because he was playing at an unbelievable level. The team was doing well. He's your point forward. He was great. That is something that I'm going to focus on this week or next week whenever Gordon does come back. But it should be a really fun week for the Boston Celtics. And the fact that this team can kind of hopefully be at full strength and get everyone healthy going into January where they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine home games. This could be good. This could be good. But I don't want to get too high because that's not how I work. Well, I don't smoke at all, so I never get high. But I don't want to get my expectations too high. I like to be really excited and then be like, ugh. I'm angry. I told you so. That's how I am. But that's it for episode 59 of the Vander Branch Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really and truly appreciate it. The fact that next week will be 60 episodes of this and people are still liking this, or if you don't like it and you're just my friend and you just hit play, thank you. It's pretty crazy. Thanks so much for listening. Find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Podcast. And as always, if you have any ideas for any segments, uh, any questions, comments, concerns, and or recipes, you can email me at BannerBancherPodcast, gmail.com. Have a great week, everyone. I can't believe uh, Christmas is in a few weeks. I'm not a Christmas guy, so bah humbug. But uh, I hope you are enjoying your holiday seasons. Okay? Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.